Amen. We'll take your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Most of you know that psalm. You probably memorized it as a young person maybe growing up. Uh, a lot of good verses in there, and you know that it's also a Thanksgiving psalm, and I know uh, everybody's made the switch. We're in the Christmas mode now, and you know, the day after Thanksgiving, or even most people don't even wait till the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving night, it's time to switch to Christmas mode, and maybe some people have, have started Christmas already. But um, here we are, December 1st, we're just past Thanksgiving, and I think um, it's, it's appropriate for us to, to look at a few things about thankfulness this morning. We had a wonderful service on Wednesday night, and it was, it was, it was uh, great for all the people that were here and gave testimonies and talked about God's goodness and and we went over a few things there, but Psalm 100 is, is literally known, if, in, if your Bible has any kind of uh, headings on it and things like that, at the top of that Psalm 100 says, a psalm of praise, and that's exactly what it is. Um, psalm, th- this psalm really concludes a series of psalms that begins with Psalm 91, uh, and, and it looks ahead to the, to the advent and the coronation of the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this psalm really has its, its true setting in the millennial kingdom during the reign of Christ, a time when the world is going to be filled with, with righteousness and all men everywhere, like the Bible says in Philippians, are going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. It's a time when his praises will fill, fill all the earth as they should at all times, and that, that, that blessed time will uh, be a time when the glory of Jesus Christ will literally fill all the earth. And I just I thank God and, and, and you and I that are saved We'll get to share in that glorious kingdom someday. But he says this in Psalm 100, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. The title on this thing literally reads, A Psalm of Praise. It's a plea from the psalmist to the hearts of his readers to look to the Lord and to exalt His name. And on Thursday, we, we carried out a tradition that's as old as America. In 1621, after a, just a terrible year in which a, more than half of the pilgrims died, uh, they died of starvation, they died of disease. They set aside three days in December to praise the Lord for everything that he had done, for the bountiful corn harvest that they had. And, and many years later, in 1789, and if you know your American history, 1789 was the year that George Washington became the president of the United States, the first president of the United States. But during that first year of his reign, he proclaimed November 26th as a national day of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And that was in response to God's granting American independence from Britain. And, of course, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln revived that tradition, uh, giving thanks unto the Lord. And so, finally, in 1941, the United States Congress declared that the fourth Thursday in November to be a national day of thanksgiving to the Lord every year on the, on the fourth Thursday of November. And that's what we just passed. And so, for many, I know Thanksgiving is a day that family gets together. They eat an enormous meal. I know we did, and probably most of you did as well sit around and watch football on TV and watch the Cowboys lose. Did they win? Did the Cowboys win? I don't know, but they, they usually play football on Thanksgiving, and it's always the Cowboys. you got to watch the Cowboys, you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a day when you don't have to go to work. You can relax and everything else. But I, I hope that for you, Thanksgiving this year was more than that. But 
uh, in truth, we, we, we often, we, we get so guilty of allowing ourselves to wait until Thanksgiving Day to be thankful. And then as soon as Thanksgiving passes, we move into Christmas and we stop being thankful. Thanksgiving is something that we ought to do every day of our lives. God goes so far as to say that being thankful to him is his will for our lives. We looked at this verse on, on Wednesday night, but it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of Jesus Christ concerning you. We ought to be thankful every single day of our lives. And that's why I want to kind of focus on that this morning. You know, maybe this would be even more appropriate to preach this message in the middle of July, you know, when we're way away from the Thanksgiving time, but I just, I want us this morning to make sure that as Christians, we don't become a very ungrateful people. That's the world that we live in today. Children are ungrateful to their parents, you know. Uh, People are ungrateful to one another. Worst of all, people are ungrateful to God. And thankfully, there are portions of Scripture, much like the ones that we just, the one that we just read, that we can find not only a challenge and a call to be thankful, but also plenty of reasons why we should thank the Lord. And we went over a lot of those reasons on Wednesday night. I'm not going to do that this morning, but we just passed Thanksgiving Day. So what I want to do is take a few minutes this morning, look into these verses, and I just want to take Psalm 100 and kind of break it down and, and try to understand what they teach us about praise to the Lord, about being thankful unto Him. And so uh, I want to share with you for just a few minutes this morning about this idea, exactly what you have in the title of that psalm, a psalm of praise, a psalm of praise. Let's pray, and then we'll look at what this psalm has to tell us this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you for this time of thanksgiving. Thank you for the focus on that. But God, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful people, that you'd help us as we look at this psalm this morning, that you'd give us a greater insight into exactly what you wanted us to be thankful for, exactly how you wanted us to be thankful, what you wanted us to do because of what you've done for us and because of our thankfulness. And God, I pray that you'd help us to walk out of here this morning with a greater spirit of thankfulness to you. And that it wouldn't be something that ends because Thanksgiving is over, but it would be something that would continue all the way throughout the year. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that we see is this, our entrance into his presence. Now, the psalmist, and this, by the way, David was not the psalmist that wrote this psalm. I don't know who the psalmist was. We're not given the author of this psalm. Uh, By the way, you know, everybody, who wrote the book of Psalms? David. David wrote the book of Psalms. Well, David wrote some of the psalms. There's 150 psalms, and David wrote 75 of them. If you look through the book of Psalms, you can see, you know, some of them were written by David's musicians. Some of them were written by Moses. Some of them were written by other people uh, that were musicians in Israel throughout that time period. David didn't write all the psalms, and this is not one that he wrote. I mean, it sounds like a psalm that David could have written, but he didn't write this one. Uh, But the psalmist here opens his psalm by issuing a call to worship and praise to the Lord. He says that very clearly in verse number one. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. He teaches us how we're to come into God's presence. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. By the way, nothing brings us into the presence of the Lord like lifting his name. That's one of the reasons why we have a song service before we start the service. You know? Uh, you get to the point where, uh, and, and we try not to get this way, and most of the time we're not, but you know, you're, you're, you're frustrated about something, you're arguing about something on the way to church, and you walk in, and oh, now let's sit down and hear some messages about the Lord, right? But singing praises to the Lord gets our mind focused on what we're about to do. By the way, 
That's one of the flaws, I think, in a lot of churches in America today. They spend 45 minutes, an hour, hour and 15 minutes on the music and all of that stuff, and then a little 10-minute devotional. No, all of that stuff is to prepare us and to help prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. And that's exactly what David is talking about. That's why singing in church is a biblical thing. Come before his presence with singing, he says. He promises us that he'll inhabit the praises of his people. You don't have to turn back there, but he says that in Psalm 22 and verse number 3. He will inhabit the praises of his people. That means when we're singing to God, we are bringing glory to him, and, and we're helping to prepare our hearts for the service as well. I want you to notice three ways that, that, that praise is manifested that brings us into the presence of God. And the first way is to enter with shouting. He says, make a joyful noise. Now, that comes from one Hebrew word, which means to shout. Make a joyful noise. Vocal praise unto the Lord is kind of out of fashion in our world. But I tell you what, it's still in vogue with God. And that's one of the ways, you know, uh, he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We joke about this all the time. Just because you don't know how to sing doesn't mean you shouldn't. It doesn't say make a beautiful noise unto the Lord or only sing to the Lord if you can sing well. He says, make a joyful noise. And some of us, that's all we can do, you know. We're singing, and it's a joyful noise coming out, but that's what we're commanded to do, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When we verbally declare our praise for him, it glorifies his name. It brings us into his presence. If you have a shout in your soul, it should find an expression on your lips. By the way, that's the same thing when it comes to saying amen in church, amen. right? If God is working on your heart, and, 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 and it gets to the point where it's, your heart is just filling up and filling up, it almost can't help but spill out and say amen. I'll tell you what, when you say amen, it's an encouragement to me to preach, to keep giving you what you need to get. You know, if everybody's just sitting there like this, it's hard to preach to that because are you getting it? Am I getting the point across? You know, but that's, that's what he's talking about, shouting to the Lord, singing to the Lord. And that means that we ought to be singing with all of our might when it comes time to sing. You know, and I see it happen so often, and, and, and I think more among young people than, than the adults, but, you know, we get the songbook out and we're standing there and, I will sing to the Lord with a praise song. Well, if you're happy and if you're excited, then somebody ought to tell your face, right? We ought to be singing with joy in our hearts, but that's the way we're to come into the presence of the Lord. Enter with shouting, but also we ought to enter with service. It says that in verse number two, serve the Lord with gladness. That's a challenge. We're supposed to never allow our service to the Lord to become a drudgery, we shouldn't be going out on visitation. We shouldn't be serving in the ministries. We shouldn't be doing the things that we do for the Lord just because I have to. This is what I've always done, so I'm going to keep doing it. Boy, I don't feel like doing this today. shouldn't become a drudgery. We ought to enter, uh, serve the Lord with gladness. We're not to grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Why? Because in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Stay faithful to God. Continue serving God. Continue giving him your best. Continue serving him with gladness. That word gladness literally means mirth or joy. We're to look upon our service to the Lord as a cause of rejoicing. That's what he's talking about. Instead of seeing it as a chore, we should see it as a privilege that's given to those who have the opportunity to go out and serve the Lord. Now, there's, there's plenty of people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They can't serve the Lord with gladness. There's plenty of people who do know Jesus Christ as their Savior who are bedridden or who can't get out and serve the Lord, who would love to go out and do those things. We ought to be serving the Lord with gladness. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul says this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 
you realize that obedience is an expression of worship to the Lord? John chapter 4 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's so many Christians. So many Christians that know what the right thing is to do, and yet they don't do it. That's about the exact opposite of praising the Lord, serving the Lord. When you consider that Jesus tells us that we prove our love for him by our obedience, then it becomes pretty clear. But we're supposed to enter with shouting. We're supposed to enter with service, but then also enter with singing. Come before his presence with singing. That word literally means a a ringing cry. Come before his presence with singing. Lifting our souls unto the Lord through a song is a tremendous way to bless his name, to exalt his name. In fact, every child of God ought to possess a song in his soul. We're commanded to sing our songs of praises unto him. Psalm 68 and verse 32. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises unto the Lord. Selah. David declares that along with salvation comes a new song of praise unto him. He says that very clearly in Psalm chapter 40 in verse number 1. I waited patiently unto the, for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust the Lord. We we'll have to never hesitate to lift our voices up in praise to the Lord. It glorifies him when his people are simply willing to exalt him with their songs of rejoicing. And by the way, that doesn't only mean in church on Sunday morning. We ought to be singing praises to him all the time. Boy, you get in the car and you, uh, it's a great place to sing if you can't, right? You get in the car by yourself and you just let it rip. Guess who's listening? God. Who are you singing for anyway? Right? When you sing in church and, oh, you're the one that's making that sound really horrible. Well, guess what? You ain't singing for us anyway. You're singing for the Lord. You're trying to worship his name. You're trying to lift up his name. You're trying to exalt his name. Not ours, right? We ought to be serving the Lord with gladness. We ought to come before his presence with singing. This psalm of praise deals with our entrance into his presence, but secondly, our enlightenment concerning his person. Verse number three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Every truth learned about the person of the Lord results in a new reason for praise and adoration. The more you know God, the more you're going to praise him. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to want to lift up his name. The more you learn from the word of God about just exactly who God is, the more you want to give him praise for just who he is. God, help us that we never reach the place where we fail to be amazed by the person of God. Because everything we do, everything we are, everything in our lives rises and falls on the perception that we have of who God is. And I'm telling you what happens most of the time is most people have a very small view of God. Well, God's just the old man upstairs. How many times have you heard somebody say that? You know, well, I hope the man upstairs is listening. He ain't the man upstairs. He's an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient God who created you and me and who gives us life and breath and meaning and everything else that we have. Without God, we are nothing. He's not just the man upstairs. And when that's our view of God, then we're not going to worship and reverence God the way that he deserves and wants to be worshiped and reverenced. But when we have a view of God as a holy, righteous God, then we're going to worship him that way. 
He says that, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that's made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. First thing we see is a word about his power. It's he that hath made us and not we ourselves. That reminds us of the creative power of God. We're in this world because of the Lord. In his great power, he formed man in his image. That's something for which we ought to praise him. You know, beyond his, his great creative power, there's also his great recreative power. Think about what Jesus Christ did in your life when you accepted him as your Savior. Think about how he transformed your life. Yes, he created you. Yes, he gave us breath. Yes, he made you exactly who you are. But he also gave us new life. He recreated us to be conformed to the image of his son. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Just the fact that his power is revealed in the creation of the world is reason enough to worship and reverence and honor him. But the fact that you, you add to, to, to the fact that he has the power to take the old and to make something new out of it gives us even more reason to praise him. And that just kind of sweetens the whole deal considerably. Word about his power we have there, but also word about his purchase. It says that we are his people. That is, we're his personal possession if we've been saved. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 13 says this, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're his by the virtue of the fact that he paid the price to redeem us from our sins. When we were sold under sin, praise the name of Jesus Christ. He came and he died for us and he paid to set us free. Uh, you know, I ask people that so often. Do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Because the Bible tells us that we can know for sure Amen. that we can go to heaven when we die. And that's all because of what Jesus Christ did. A lot of people can't answer that question with certainty. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you a, a, a beautiful word picture in the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, and, and these verses you've heard before, you've, you've, you might have even memorized them before. But 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That word redeemed means to release after payment of the purchase price. And many in that day especially would have understood this because of the buying and selling of slaves and, and uh, the way that most people had servants who were basically slaves. They were indebted, indebted to their owners and to their masters. And so, but it's a picture of, of somebody who buys a slave and then turns him loose, pays the price for that slave just so that he can give him his freedom. That's what this, that's what this whole picture is about. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. He bought us off the slave block of sin. He redeemed us. He paid the price that we could not pay. And then he turned us loose. We're no longer in bondage to sin. We're no longer in bondage to the flesh. We're no longer in bondage to that old man. He paid the penalty for us, bought our freedom, and then set us free. 
It wasn't my good works that freed me. It wasn't an amount of money I could pay. It wasn't any of those things. It was what Jesus Christ did for me that allowed me to have that freedom. Being redeemed from sin is a good reason to praise the Lord. Thank God when we're saved, we are his people. And that means that we're special, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. It'd be very hard to praise the Lord if you've never accepted him as your savior because he's not even your father and he hasn't done that work in your heart. But to know that he's done that work in your heart, boy, what a tremendous reason to praise him. We are his people. And then we have a word about his provisions for the sheep of his pasture. That verse reminds us that we're his flock. And as such, we are under the protective and watchful care of the good shepherd. Boy, that is, he's promised us several things that ought to encourage us to glorify his name. He's promised us his presence. And I'm going to go through these things quickly. We could take time to go through all of these. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. As sheep in his pasture, he's promised us his presence. He's promised us his peace. John chapter 14 and verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's promised us his presence, his peace, but also his provision. Psalm 4, uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of those, I think, are summed up in that passage that David wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything. I don't want for anything. Oh, I might not have everything my heart desires, but those are things that then I probably don't need, right? The Lord's my shepherd. What do I have to worry about? He's promised us all those things. We see this psalm of praise deals with our entrance into his presence, our enlightenment concerning his person, and then lastly, it deals with our expression of his praise. These verses give us three great ways that we can express our praise for the Lord. The first one is this, praise should be visible. He says that we should enter his courts with praise. Enter his courts with praise. This isn't exactly an activity that's supposed to be done in a corner when you're by yourself, you know. Uh, you could be hidden from the view of others. Simply put, there should be no shame attached to our worship of the Lord. So many people today that are afraid to let people know that they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So many people that are afraid to let somebody else know that they're a Christian. Well, what are they going to think about me? How are they going to look at me? How are they going to view me? No, everybody ought to know that you're a Christian. If we're entering into his courts with praise, it, it may help us to look at the Hebrew worship practices and see how they visibly praise the Lord. Again, I, I wish we had time to go through a lot of these things, but they, in Psalm 47 and verse 1, they had clapping. You know, they clapped their hands in praise to the Lord. And that, it doesn't convey the idea of applause. They weren't clapping because somebody did a great performance, which, by the way, that's one of the reasons we don't clap when somebody gets done singing a special. You know, it's not, it's, it, it's not that it's, you know, oh, they're, they're praising my name and things like that. But, but when we get up here and sing, we're not singing for you necessarily. It, it helps us. It helps all of us, and it brings us closer to God. But we're singing for God. We're not singing for a performance. We're not singing for, a, you know, for, for thunderous applause. We're singing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to clap and, oh, that was a tremendous job. You did great. Say amen. Amen is glorifying God. Say hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Whatever, you know. But that's why we don't clap. And, and if somebody comes in and claps, I'm not going to say, stop, stop. You shouldn't be clapping, you know. But, but this idea of clapping in, Psalms, in, in Psalm 47 and the way that they worshiped the Lord was, was just a sudden clap that drew the attention to God. 
and that God's receiving the praise from a worshiper. They also, he says that in Psalm 47 and 1, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Another way that they, that they praised the Lord was with a lifting of hands. And again, you know, we've gotten scared of those kind of things because, because a lot of, uh, of, of, of neo-churches have taken that so far. And, you know, everybody wants everybody to see them as they lift up their hands and they're just, they're drawn into the moment. And, they're, and, and what happens so, so often with praise and worship type songs is that it's not praising and worshiping God. It's praising and worshiping the performers that are up there on the stage. It's praising and worshiping the people that are trying to draw all the attention to themselves as they, you know, they, they dance around and do all this kind of stuff. And again, I, I go back to the fact that David danced before the Lord. And Michael, his wife, condemned David and made fun of David and said he was making a fool out of himself. And God did not condemn David. He condemned Michael. Because David wasn't doing it for the people. He was doing it for the Lord. And so I have no problem with people lifting a hand to the Lord, lifting up holy hands. Look, the Bible says that. You don't have to turn there, but Psalm 63 and verse 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalm 134 and verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. There's nothing wrong with those things. They did that in the worship of the Lord. The problem is, we have to be careful that we're not doing it so that we can be seen by people. But who am I to judge whether you're doing it to be seen by people or not? I don't know your heart. I don't know what's going through your mind. I can only assume that you're doing it because you want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, you know. But I've been in churches before where somebody jumps up and hollers and takes a lap around the auditorium and goes back and sits down at their seat and makes all this commotion and everything else, and they're hollering so loud they can't even hear what's being sung or what's being preached, Right? That's missing the whole point. And that's, that's not, the Bible says very plainly in 1 Corinthians, let everything be done decently and in order. So, you know, running around the auditorium and hollering and, you know, all these other kind of experiences that people have is not of God. But there's nothing wrong with lifting up your hands to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with shouting amen. There's nothing wrong with singing at the top of your voice to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with those things. The way we worship God ought to be done to worship God. And if we're doing it to worship God, then who are we to judge how you're doing that worship? Ought to be done decently and in order. There's nothing wrong with lifting up holy hands to the Lord. Amen. You know, raising up hands and looking to heaven, thanking God for what he's done. They did it in the Old Testament. God told them to do that in the Old Testament in a lot of places. There's nothing wrong with any genuine, visible expression of praise and glory to the Lord. We have to make sure our motives are right and that we're not doing it just to be seen. We're not doing it just to draw attention to ourselves. But if we're doing it because we're truly and honestly trying to praise the Lord, lift up holy hands. Praise Him. Shout. Thank Him for what He's doing. Whatever. Praise should be visible, but it should also be vocal. Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist used words like noise, which means shout, singing. None of those things can be done in silence. True praise to God manifests itself in vocal expression. There's nothing wrong with being vocal in our praise for him. Actually, I, I kind of imagine that the Lord likes it. You know, Billy Bray, he was an old sinner that God saved by grace. He used to praise the Lord everywhere he went. And once he was praising the Lord as he usually did, and someone came to him and he said, you know, you need to calm yourself down a little bit. You're getting a little bit too excited about these things. And, and they said it wasn't proper for a preacher to be shouting all the time. And Billy, Billy Bray responded by saying this. He said, I, I can't help myself. You see, I put down my right foot and it says hallelujah. And I put down my left foot and it says amen. 
I can't help myself. With that, he marched down the street, shouting a chorus of hallelujahs and amens, you know. There's nothing wrong with praising the Lord vocally. But then also, the last thing, and we should never let anyone steal the shout that God's placed in our souls. The last thing is that our praise should be volitional. And by that, I mean that it's an act of the will. By our own volition, by our own will, we should praise the Lord. According to verse 5, the Bible says the Lord is good. He's faithful. His truth will stand forever. What's not to praise the Lord about? When these things are considered, and then we're to make a rational decision to praise his name because of the reality of just exactly who he is. What I mean by all of this is that we ought to praise the Lord because of who he is to you and for what he's done for you. And when you really realize everything that he is, when you really realize everything that he's done, you can't help but praise him. You can't help but thank him. And that's, that's what I'm saying about the idea that, that so often we, we only praise God and we only thank God around the time of thanksgiving. And you know what that means? That means you don't see God for who he really is. Because if you really saw God for who he is and you really see yourself for who you are, then you can't help but praise God all the time, day after day. You're going to realize the goodness of God and it's going to make you want to praise him. You're not going to be able to help yourself. It's not going to be just, oh, well, Thanksgiving time again. Oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. And it's good to really focus on those things once a year. But that's something we ought to be focusing on every day of the year. We used to listen to Patch the Pirate growing up, and still do, honestly. The, the kids do, and, and uh, Patch the Pirate is, is very well known among in Christian churches, I guess. Patch the Pirate was a, a character, and, and he, he's actually a real guy who got cancer in his eye and had one of his eyes removed, and so he wore a patch. And look, talk about making the best of a situation. He's, he's made, I don't know, Josh probably knows better than I do, 40-something um, basically Patch the Pirate CDs. They're about an hour, hour and 15 minutes long stories. And by the way, if, if you want, if you want, that's, that's a great, they teach a lot of really good lessons for the kids and things, and we can talk more about that later, but they had a lot of different stories, and, and, uh, but they were stories that had a lot of hidden truths from the Bible, and a lot of catchy songs that portrayed those biblical truths, and and, uh, and to a kid, they're, they're extremely interesting. Anytime uh, they come out with a new one, I, I like to hear it at least once myself. The kids love to listen to them. And, and by the way, Ron Hamilton, it's Patch the Pirate, but he, um, he's got a form of dementia and uh, just basically just made his last CD that he's ever going to make because he doesn't even, he can't, you know, put thoughts together and stuff like that. It's sad to see that happen, but uh, he's done some tremendous, tremendous work over the years with those things. And you know, we got to the point, and I know Brian was the same way. We listened to those things over and over and over and over to the point where we could quote the entire, you know, hour-long program, sing every song and, and all of this stuff. But one of my favorites, I think, and, and uh, they've come out with some more that are pretty good, but one of my favorites growing up was one that was called Kidnapped on Island. And, um, you know, in the story, a young boy who always puts himself first finds himself in a prison. And, and basically, the, the prison is, is an illusion to the prison that we put ourselves in when we put ourselves first. And uh, I don't have time to go through the entire story, but uh, in prison, he comes to realize his selfishness and that his decision to make himself the focus led himself to be in the prison that he was in. And while he was in that prison, he sings a song that I, I think is probably to this day still my favorite of, of all the hundreds of songs that I ended up learning from those stories. But he sings this song, I will sing to the Lord with a praise song, for the Savior heard my cry. 
He delivered me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock. I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you all my day. I will, I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. Please accept my song of praise. And at that moment in the story, his chains fell off. The walls of the prison started to disappear. And King Me First, that was another one of the characters in the story, in the, and, and even King Me First disappeared, but because he put God in the position that he belonged in. He realized just exactly who God was, and it was no longer him that was first place. He put God in first place, and the thing that happened when he started to put God in, the, in that first place, I will praise you, Lord. I will praise you, Lord. Please accept my song of praise. You know, I wonder if you've done that in your life. Have you put God in the place he belongs? If you've never been saved, then God cannot be in the place that he belongs. You've never accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has given us to be able to even praise him for what he's done in your life. Don't wait until you die to accept him. By then, it's too late. But for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, is your praise life? up to par this morning? Is your life praising God? You show that you love him by keeping his commandments. You show that you are praising him by the way that you follow him. You show that you are praising him by the way that you live for him. You show that you know exactly who he is by the way that you reverence and honor and respect him and his word. I say we have sufficient reason to praise his name. Boy, I wish we had more time to go through some of these things in Psalm 100. There's so many things that are there for us. But are you praising the Lord, not just with your lips? We should be doing that. But are you praising the Lord with your life? That's even more important. Because if you're praising him with your life, that proves that you know who he is. It proves that he's in the place he belongs. And you know what's going to happen if you're praising him with your life? You'll follow with your lips. You'll start telling other people about him. You'll start praising his name. You'll start worshiping him the way that he wants to be worshiped. A psalm of praise. You're praising God, not just at Thanksgiving, but in the days and the weeks and the months after Thanksgiving. That's when we're doing what he wants us to do. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for the time that we can spend together here. God, what a tremendous psalm that you've given us for why we ought to praise you. Pray that you'd help us to, to, be, to, to see you for who you really are, to make our lives revolve around that and to help our lives be lives of praise to you and that we'd sing the praises to you that you want us to sing. We praise you in a way that's pleasing to you as well. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe your life could be a little bit spent a little bit more in praise to the Lord. If that's the case and God's speaking to your heart about that, you can come forward. Maybe he's speaking to your heart about something else. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to get that settled this morning. Boy, that's the most important thing that you can ever do. Life is wasted if we spend our entire life even talking about Jesus, even thinking about Jesus, even trying to praise him. 
and never having known him personally as your Savior. If there's never been a time when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, won't you do that this morning? It's not about coming to church. It's not about being baptized. It's not about any of those things. It's about accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and realizing that he did die on the cross to pay for those sins. That'll give you something to praise him about. When he becomes your Savior, you can't help but praise him. But beyond that, Maybe you've been saved for a long time and you just allowed your praise of him to slip. Maybe you've been at it for a while. Maybe you haven't been at it so long, but you're not praising him the way that you should. How's your life this morning? Is it a life that's lived in praise to him? As the piano plays, the invitation is open and you can come.